Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to a special edition of the BOF podcast. It's Tuesday, October 11th. 
Tim Blanks and I returned from Fashion Month with a lot on our minds. Now, I wasn't in Milan, but Tim was there to take in all of the proceedings, especially for designer debuts, which everyone was paying attention to in Milan, alongside an emotional moment at Gucci and a standout Bottega Veneta show. That was all before we arrived in Paris and Kanye West cast a pall over the proceedings. Now, that's not to say there wasn't a lot of relevant, substantive fashion to pay attention to in Paris as well. It's not just about marching a whole bunch of clothes down the catwalk. It's really about putting them in, a con- in the context you want them to be seen in, whatever that context is, whether it's historical or emotional or psychological or whatever. Demna stages his shows in such a way that there's a focal point, that everyone in that space together is having a shared experience and can see everything that's happening. So without further ado, here's the season that was with Tim Blanks on the BOF podcast. Hi, Tim. Hi, Emron. How are you feeling? It was an intense couple of weeks. It always is, but I don't know. This one felt like I did a lot more work than usual. <laughs> well, you were very disciplined with your daily I reviews. And I people was. love them. But I always love this conversation between you and I because we can go a bit deeper uh-huh. into the thinking and feeling and impressions behind the words that you so diligently delivered this season. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tim. And I think w- this time we're going to focus on Milan and Paris just for pragmatic reasons. Neither of us made it to New York this season. And Milan and Paris is kind of where most of the action took place. Uh, London Fashion Week was partially canceled due to the passing of the Queen. So let's focus on Milan to begin with, where I sadly did not go because I was unwell. But, you know, really what from from afar, it seemed what everyone was interested in was the four designer debuts at Ferragamo, Missoni, Etro and Bali, each of which was in its own way a new era for those brands, for good or for bad. What did you take away from those debuts? Is there anything cooking there that we should be excited about? Well, it was kind of unprecedented in a way to have four major houses change the designers in the same season. And then also Glenn Martin's at Diesel making uh, another spectacular statement, whatever you think about what he does at Diesel. It is a celebration of artisanship in so many different ways. I mean, what he's doing comes close to couture sometimes, even though it is a denim-based collection, but amazing, amazing effects. Huge show, bit of a head-scratcher afterwards. But, you know, that's a way to grab a legacy by the throat and shake it into the future. I felt that those four that you mentioned, it's a curious thing because I guess the model for, for people is Gucci in both the incarnations with Tom Ford and with Alessandro Michele. And I think in both those instances, Gucci had nothing to lose by doing what they did in terms of the reputation of the brand. In both those instances, it it kind of reached a point where they were kind of desperate, I guess, for somebody to come in and, and do something. So in a way, it was a blank slate. So Tom Ford and Alessandro Michele both changed the industry with what they did at Gucci. And that's surely the dream of... These other houses will get some guy in who's just going to, some person in who's just going to fire us to the very top of the ladder with, with whatever they decide to do. But the thing with Missoni and Etro is that they do have something to lose by 
ditching what's happening and going in another direction. Because they have such clear signatures. And such a kind of loyal clientele, yeah. you know, who comes to them for something that's very, very defined and within those parameters. And I think with both those cases, with Masoni and with Etro, you had two designers who kind of chose to move away from that legacy to turn their back on it. And you were just left screaming, why? You change, you adapt, you, you change is a, one of the great motivating principles of human existence, isn't it? But I just couldn't understand really why Missoni had a huge turnout and the audience was noticeably wearing Missoni. Men and women, people really turned out. And I think there was a lot of curiosity and... Were the Missoni family in attendance? Yeah. They Angela at Angela, Al? they all came. They yeah. were all there. They were sitting with the um, workers from the business. You know, they have that wonderful facility outside Milan. And I just saw the contrast between the audience, which looking really good, and, and also in the range of Missoni, not just the sort of chevron knits that people know, but, you know, a whole lot of different things from the Missoni spectrum with what was on the catwalk. That was the, the disconnect was just, and I felt kind of bad for the designer, Filippo, because it was a really inauspicious start to whatever's going to happen there. I know the CEO has big plans, but really you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then, you know, Marco de Vincenzo, who's, who's a designer with a personality and has and is, and is a known quantity, really, for him to say things like he didn't really understand what Bohemia was. And, of course, Etro is one of the most bohemian fashion labels and rather gorgeous with all of that, the, you know, wonderful fabrics and a sort of real artisanal approach to fashion. They're very cultured, you know, the whole idea of the Wunderkammer and the, those wonderful things that, you, that you've heard about over the years. And that's also a great story and I don't think was utilised. And, and then I actually thought with Bali, which is a, I don't know what people think Bali is. Because it's been Swiss bag and shoe company, Ages right? since anyone's had Bali kind of in their consciousness from a fashion standpoint. This is a really quirky thing, but Ruigi came in from LA where he does Rude, the label Rude, and did the most really perfect vintage Tom Ford collection. Like if anyone was looking for the Tom Ford aesthetic, refreshed for 2023, there it was. You and know, I th- there were all those rumors a long time ago, which I have no idea if they're true, is that Tom Ford played some kind of ghost designing role at Bali. Really? Yeah. Well, for everyone listening, I have no idea if there's any truth to it at all, but I remember hearing those rumors. Well, that's that a rumor. The ghost had acquired fleshly form then. It just was kind of, people were like, oh God, it's really like a Tom Ford moment. Did it feel right? Oh, it felt, for Bali? I don't know. What, what, what's Bali's fashion personality? I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it felt funny for people who'd just seen Tom Ford's latest show in New York. People who maybe miss the Tom Ford of days of yore to see all those things that people used to love from him, those sort of sexy men and women dressed up in a kind of louche way. And then Maximilian Davis at Ferragamo, um, you know, he's a wonderful designer. He's very new. I think he's only really had three years on his own. And then to be fired into that job, I like what he does. And I think he did a little bit of that, but I also think he was quite safe. And if you put somebody like him in a job like that, you're going to want to, a lot of oomph. And then obviously that tests the resolve of the houses too. How 
far are they prepared to go? How brave are they prepared to be? And going back to those two examples that you cited at the beginning, Tom Ford and Alessandro Michele, both at Gucci at different stages in the development of that business, when those collections, the first ones came out, they were a shock, right? They were, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they so were absolute, like 180 degree turn. Right. And so that's how you create an industry defining fashion moment is you really shake things up. And it sounds like what you're saying is you didn't feel that. Well, there were a couple of 180 degree turns probably, but then the car just kind of went over the cliff at the end of them. But um, <laughs> the Ferragamo and Bali are both ones to watch. Both of those collections to say, give them time and we'll see how this develops. They're intri- intriguing. It'll be good to see what happens next. And, you know, and, and funnily enough, um, Bottega Vanity, you could say the same thing with Mathieu Blaisy at Bottega Vanity. Not a new designer by any stretch of the imagination, but a new name for most people. And only his second collection. And this was his second collection, like Glenn Martin's second collection at Diesel, or second show at Diesel. And that was probably the most talked about show in, in Milan because it is just a fascinating thing that he's doing there. I mean, it's, it's got that sort of quiet, the quiet luxury of Bottega, vintage Bottega, when, you're, when your own initials are enough. But it has technique that just blows your mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the trompe l'oeil effects, uh, you really don't know what you're looking at. And I think that struck a chord with people. A lot of men and women were like, hmm. I mean, there were suits that looked like herringbone, I think it was, or and they were made out of leather. This kind of like of, that tank top and yeah, jeans yeah. from the first. Yeah, that was, that was a tank top and jeans that looked like yeah, white cotton tank top and blue jeans that were actually made from leather. There was a lot of that going on here, which is a reminder of Bottega's heritage. Speaking of honoring the past, but really rocketing the brand into the future, he's yeah. doing a great job with that. Yeah. The other show that everyone talked about, from afar at least, was that Gucci show with the twins. And Gucci was a highly anticipated moment this season because I think there's quite a bit of expectation around where the brand's going to go next creatively. What I took away from the reactions from the people I've spoken with and from what I've read is that it was probably the most emotional moment in Milan. But do you sense a new creative energy there? Well, all revolutionaries eventually kind of hit the brick wall in their revolution and then history consigns them to this elder statesman position. You know, talking to Giorgio Armani for our BOF 500 issue, same talking about what a revolution he created, a soft revolution, but still massive change in fashion. And in a funny way, he hates being honored for that because it's, he's still working, you know, he still has things to say and things to do. And Alessandro Michele, I think that he brought a new design lexicon into fashion, but it's very familiar now. So that whole shock doesn't exist anymore. I called the show a tour de force, but then what I really meant to say was that it was a coup de théâtre because right. it was a, yeah, people cried. It was just so, wow. Plus, you know, two weeks earlier, the New York Times had done that story about doppelgangers. Amazing, and, yeah. And everybody has two doppelgangers in the world. And Alessandra was talking about that as well. And the, the mystery of twins, you know, the way you can put something that's so essentially mysterious, a mystery of identical twins. You put them on the catwalk like that in 
you know, some of it was a little bit Tweedledum and Tweedledee, but then there was uh, other stuff that was really, yeah, haunting. And just the whole thing, you know, with the wall coming up, we were sitting there looking at the, a sort of mirror kind of thing of the wall. Oh, no, there was, it was photos of the all of faces, right, that were sort of, I think they were the same faces that had been shot over and over again. So you sort of illusion of twindom or actually quadruplet dim. And then when that wall came up, it was the audience sitting opposite us. It was like, reminded, it reminded me of that McQueen show where we actually were the show, but in this case it was the audience was there. And then the, they'd been looking at exactly the same thing. I mean, that's super, Genius super staging, clever. the coup d'etat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a real high point, but in terms of moving the needle for Gucci, I didn't get that so much from people. No. I mean, I think it's, I just think Gucci's, I think it's one of those proposals that if you love it, you will always find things that entrance you. And if you're one of those people who moves on, you've moved on. So hmm. so let's pick up in Paris and probably the most notable change this season was the return of the Japanese designers who've all been stuck quite literally in Tokyo for the past few seasons, Paris Fashion Week is notorious for its Saturday, which is starts with Junya in the morning and then goes on to Comme des Garçons. There's also the Noir Kayama show and then a few days earlier, their undercover show. And then a few days later, Chitose Abe's Sakai show. Felt great to have the Japanese back there because I think they offer something so distinctive and unique in this kind of Paris Fashion Week context. I know you loved Undercover. Oh, my favorite show. Why? It was emotional again. Yeah. It was very emotional for him because I guess there might have been times when he didn't know if he'd ever make it back to Paris. And Paris, he calls Paris his heaven. And the show was in the American Cathedral, amazing stained glass windows. Mm. And the music he chose, the soundtrack he had was extraordinary. It's starting with Eric Satie, Troisième Nobody, which is coming back to Paris. It's such a Parisian piece of music. And then this track by the singer Nick Drake, who a lot of people might know from being the beautiful lost boy of British folk who killed himself. John Takahashi had a song that Nick Drake's mother Molly recorded in the 1950s, almost like field recordings. She was recording this music called I Remember, so sad and beautiful. Then there was a Laura Marling song that was really sad. The show ended with Patti Smith singing Trampin', which is an old spiritual. And the cumulative effect of that, like to me that felt like one of the best commentaries on the pandemic that we've had from fashion, of everything that's passed, everything that's lost, everything that's been lost, And then at the same time, the celebration with the fact that he's still there, still Jun Takahashi is still doing what he does. He's still able to do what he does. And making a collection of clothes that was so superb, I thought, with the edge that he always has. The clothes were the slashes in the clothes. There was there was a lot of drama in them, if you thought about it. And then it ended with these beautiful big puffball skirts, the dresses that were his conversion of haute couture. But I, I just thought the way that that all came together, you know, you see you see a fashion collection which is totally complete and it's it's really thrilling. 
to see that. And also a collection which acknowledges its environment in the way that that did. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I thought that Dries van Noten was also back on the catwalk for the first time in years, achieved something similar, just the sheer joy of showing again. And you and I had all those conversations during the pandemic about how fashion shows are over and everybody's yeah. finding new ways to show and they're doing a videos and they're doing these, you know, making these fabulous films. Dries made the best films over the lockdown to present his collections. His films were, you know, some of the most intelligent and thought provoking. And now we see fashion shows and we think a good fashion show with clothes by a designer who has something to say and has a 
sense of what presentation means, you know, like the way that somebody like Alexander McQueen did once, that it's not just about marching a whole bunch of clothes down the catwalk. It's really about putting them in a con- in the context you want them to be seen in, whatever that context is, whether it's historical or emotional or psychological or whatever. I think Dries and Jun Takahashi at Undercover did that with their shows. Super brilliant. Well. I mean, both of those shows, you kind of left feeling like that's why we need a fashion show. And interestingly, neither of them were particularly elaborate. No. In their production. No. But I've been thinking a lot about staging and the way people think about conceiving their shows. Because there's multiple audiences now. You know, there's the audience in the room, the industry insiders and celebrities and influencers and all those people. There's the audience watching at home or watching online on a live stream or more likely on like on-demand videos or things that show up on social media. And then now there's this third audience, which is the people on the street as you enter the shows where these like huge crowds of people have formed. And some people just really get it right. Like, so I think, you know, the Balenciaga show as much of a pain as it was to drive out to the airport on Sunday morning. Demna stages his shows in such a way that there's a focal point that everyone in that space together is having a shared experience and can see everything that's happening. Could kind of say the same thing about the Louis Vuitton show that Gasquier did. Like there's a sense of like, okay, we're all experiencing something together. And then you have shows like we had this season at Valentino where, you know, they had an element of the show that was just for the cameras where there was no people sitting there. They had an element of the show for the people in the room, which was this like huge winding runway of long benches where everyone had a front row seat. But that means the runway was like, I don't know, there must've been six runways. Mm -hmm. And then you had an element of it that was targeted to the people standing outside. And so like the models were walking outside and it makes you really think that in order to try to optimize around too many things, you end up failing. Well, especially if you do something like that in shoes that no one can walk in. I mean, I I don't know, maybe a third of the girls, a third of the models ended up having to take their shoes off. And there was that agony of seeing, of watching young women who maybe aren't used to walking in very high heels, especially because Pierpaolo Piccioli was the, the king of the flat shoe. Yeah, You know, beautiful that flat shoes. Yeah. That, that sort of, this is what he brought to fashion, that, that understanding of women or of comfort and the kind of combination of extreme beauty and, and then comfort. But then to have the shoe situation, it was also in that room, there were a lot of people wearing the pink that he developed for the last ready to wear, the Pantone. I think it was about 20% of the audience. Oh, what, you sure it was only 20 there was something about it which was so dominant in the room. It was like vibrating, that pink. And it was just a funny energy, I thought. And it was an incredibly long show. Fashion shows used to be long. When I first started going fashion shows, I think Yves Saint Laurent or Ungaro, they, they would have 160 looks or something. And I'm pretty sure some of those shows ran an hour. And they were, there was no spectacle. Um, it was just clothes walking up and down and running. And they clothes. were spinning and twirling and stuff, right? Well, some of them were, yes. Some of them moved at a sepulchral pace. I mean, and that was a different time and people had different tolerance levels. 
I think the show was a bit of an ordeal for everybody. And it's a, you know, it's a shame because, but it also is instructive. You can be king of the mountain and you can also be you know, down in the valley. Yeah. I think it's a learning moment, right? They can't optimize around so many things, which is a recipe for failure. Where that ends up is the obvious. If you're trying to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. Mm-hmm. And I left that show being really uncertain about what Valentino, who Valentino is for. Yeah. Whereas those other shows, it's very, very clear. And, and I think it was interesting. We t- you're talking about how things get staged. You mentioned Balenciaga. And the way he has staged his shows, which are so confrontational. Now, I think he was a bit disingenuous when he said that gigantic hole in the middle of the set, big, muddy, ghastly, nightmarish hole, was all about digging for truth, that you have to find your truth in the face of of an industry, i.e. fashion, which kind of trades in mistruths and untruths and... The beginning of the show, I felt like I was looking at conscripts, young conscripts, because the people, they were battered. They looked battered and bruised. They had, you know, marks on their faces and they were walking through this mud really, really urgently. And of course, my scenario is that, because, you know, we just read about in the paper a couple of days before that a line of refugees going from into the new Russian part of the Ukraine had been hit by a rocket and 20 or 30 people had been killed. And so you're thinking of that when you're watching these people. Like, like last time, they were walking through a snowstorm. Now, obviously, the winters, it's not winter anymore, but it's still muddy and that big hole. I thought it's a missile, you know, missile struck. And it's a, then, of course, you get all these other people who think it's a mass grave. Mm. And he's saying it's all about digging for truth. But so isn't that the point, Tim? I think the point isn't what it literally signifies. The point is the emotion that it evokes, which is like a huge sense of discomfort. Yeah. Right? And I think no matter how... You personally and horror, even. yeah. Like that, no matter how you kind of made sense of what was sitting in front of us, which was basically a big pit of smelly mud. Everyone shared an emotion, an emotional reaction to it. You know, that to me is brilliant. You talk about those shows back in the days of Yves Saint Laurent. Like clearly, fashion shows have moved on. They are a form of theater now. Mm-hmm. They're a form of theater where you can buy the costumes later on in the boutique, and that was something that. I think riled a few people about Balenciaga. That it, what, what are the ethics of of using a scenario like that, even if his scenario was different from other people's, mm. to sell sweatshirts and hoodies? And um, Damon is a fabulous guy to listen to. What we're looking at is so personal. I was just going to say that that was done with an artist. And the last day, yesterday, the three big shows were all done with an artist. I mean, it's not new. But it felt like something that was very strong this season. Uh, we, um, there's been more more collaboration over the last... The Dior show was like that too, right? Yeah. The Grotto made out of cardboard. Oh, the Grotto made out of cardboard. And then yeah. the, the Chanel show with the film. Inez and Vonod's short film on a, on a very, very tall and long screen. And the Miu Miu show with that digital installation yeah by, shang li yeah. um which was beautiful if Incredible. you actually yeah. if you actually sat and watched it while well, uh, it was just beautiful and then philippe pereno's thing with photo vuitton yesterday um the afternoon and nicola geskia said he'd never actually worked with anybody like that before before a collection so it's the first time he'd ever worked it wasn't a collaboration on the clothing but i guess a collaboration on the on the aesthetic and that thing in the courtyard of the Louvre was was incredible. It was 
I was speaking to Michael Burke the night before at a dinner and I said, oh, are you, are you excited about your show? And he was like, the scale of it, you're not going to believe it. And then when, I, when we walked in there and then you're sitting in this like circular installation in the middle of the Cour Carré du Louvre and you don't know quite what's you're looking at and then those curtains just opened and then you could see everything, which is what I think is so important with these shows because I hate sitting at a fashion show and having like extended periods of time when you're not looking there's nothing to look at mm. well there were those wonderful rotating the light mirrors, fixtures like and the mirrors, mirrors and the like, mirrors that were like satellite dishes that were revolving so you got to look at absolutely everybody in the room as they it revolved. was incredible and, and, the, and the fact that it looked like that a huge big alien flower my friend nicole pointed out she, she said it reminded her of that thing at the end of the movie nope where the flying saucer turned into sorry <gasps> spoiler alert um, turns into this gigantic floral thing. And I thought, I'm just imagining that Nikola Gerskia working with somebody else in a way he'd never worked with him before, I think made the best collection he's done for Vuitton for, well, maybe ever. I think it was his best Vuitton collection ever. And I think as you and I were discussing after, it kind of felt like old Nikola from Balenciaga. When he, when he, he was the most precise designer just the precision of that but those Balenciaga collections and also the fact that they always pointed you towards a future that you couldn't even have imagined and he did it time and time again it was those collections were so thrilling and I thought this had that strange kind of energy that that slightly disorienting and the soundtrack oh the soundtrack yeah Just incredible. I mean, two old hits that we love I know (laughs) you could just feel the energy right I just that was awesome. Before we sign off on what was, I think, a pretty exceptional fashion. Sur- surprising. Yeah. I mean, as much as you enjoy doing what you do, you go into it thinking, well, what am I going to see that thrills me this time? And you have ideas of where they, those things might be. I mean, Rick Owens, how does he do that time after time after time? I mean, that thing in the middle, that fountain in the middle, it reminded me of a, the geezer called The Old Faithful and like Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Oh, that show was so joyful. Again, and the music. You said it was Sushi and the Banshees. It was Sushi and the Banshees, Dazzle, but remixed the way he remixes things. Just a minute. And the, the, I thought the clothing, his clothes are always about his idea of beauty. But I think lately, maybe as he's just got older and wiser or maybe less kind of anxious, perhaps, the beauty that's in his clothes now is a, is a sort of universal well, beauty. Even just the, the idea of the color he's using, which we're like, you never really got a sense of that before. You mentioned the geyser at Rick Owens. We also should talk about the fountain at Yves Saint Laurent. Oh, wow. At Saint Laurent, where we're all sitting in this, on this terrace. And in the middle of the terrace, there is this huge fountain. And you're thinking, oh, how come I've never seen this before? This must have always been here. And then, no, 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 they built it for the show. They built that huge terrace we were seated on. Which literally looked like it had been there forever. 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 And with this huge big fountain in the middle. So somebody said to me, oh, they're going to donate it to the city of Paris afterwards. And then I looked underneath it. And actually the whole thing was on a scaffold. The whole thing could be broken down like a stage set. But I thought that is an illusion right now the notion of escape from everything that is happening around us, which seems to be steadily worsening. It's really, really hard to hang on to hope when every day you're just reading about the 
horrendous things that are happening to men, women and children around the world who are just trying to survive in the face of a set of circumstances that is just a unique, perfect storm of horror. And then you have these things, these imperial follies, a cardboard grotto towering to the ceiling and a huge fountain that's going to, God knows, go God well, knows I hope where. they do something with and it. A, and a gigantic mud pit. Actually, I know what you're going to talk about next. So that does the incomprehensibility of the modern world and the strange outbreaks of horrendous opinion and, and things that we're compelled to acknowledge because they're just inescapable in our lives, unless we want to turn off the turn off the television and stop reading newspapers and actually turn off our phones, so we're not aware of news updates. I mean, that's the most kind of dissonant thing: sitting at a fashion show and getting these alerts about the UK economy falling apart, or like a, a missile strike hitting Eastern Ukraine, or and, and how much did that fountain cost to build? You know, you've got. But now you're going to say the thing that well, ultimate dissonance, the ultimate dissonance, and at know, the end of the sadly, week. we do not want. Kanye West, or yay, formerly known as Kanye West, to overshadow the proceedings of what was, I think, a really exciting Paris Fashion Week. But we kind of be remiss if we didn't talk about it a little bit. And I know there's a lot of commentary out there that the media should not be giving him further oxygen. But now that some time has passed and we've kind of seen the blowback and overnight, he kind of issued an apology, non-apology for you know, the way he bullied Gabriella. What was that Kanye West situation? What I understand, of course, there's loads of people saying fashion is complicit in all of this and and fashion gives him the time and the platform to continually do these these things, which are a form of self-sabotage in a way. I was speaking to people who who know him and who have stood by him and have, supported him because he needs support. I think he's been vocal enough about his own problems. It's clear that there, there, there must still be people who want to see him right. And somewhere in that building was a collection of clothing that was ready to go and be looked at and appreciated for whatever it was. I mean, I, I noticed that there's been, while the evening was co-opted by his I guess you'd call it an outburst and by his subsequent and by people's reaction to the outburst. And so I think the blowback over over what, what happened at the show and then and his coming for Gabriella and then everybody else who who's come in, like his Tremaine Emery's statement and, and Gigi Hadid's statement and the people in the fashion industry who have taken him out for... Well, they've rallied around her as they should because... And also called him out on, on some of the yeah. things he said. That's just like... I can't imagine the vitriol that's being spewed at her and DMs and in other places by like his fandom, you know? I you, you read Tremaine's, read, read the comments on Tremaine's oh, I haven't. statement. You I just haven't. But I do I do believe if you let the trolls out of the cave, they'll come for you at some point. Maybe not. We heard from people working behind the scenes or who had seen the collection before that there were some good clothes in there somewhere, and like sadly, they were nowhere to be found. What we did see, there's a design ethos. It was Shane Oliver was working on that collection. Hood by Air did some of the best collections and shows we, we saw in, a, in New York Fashion Week. Sure. Over, over the years. So there's always talented people involved in, in these, these things. Thank goodness that there was much else to look at 
Thank you, Tim, for your time coming here so quickly after returning from Paris. It's always good to download with you. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Imran. Thank you, world. Bye. Bye. The BOF Podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark, Kate Vartan, and Eric Bria in the BOF Studio team. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.